Welcome to TrackCast, the official podcast of the Real Estate Council from deep in the heart of Dallas, Texas. I'm Bill San Antonio. Thanks for joining us. Have you ever considered running for public office? How about working on a political campaign? Where would you start? What would you do first? We're going to answer those questions on today's show with a replay of last month's Public Policy 101 event on this very topic. Our panelists were James Armstrong III of Builders of Hope Community Development Corporation, a track community partner, who recently ran to be Mayor Eric Johnson's successor as the District 100 representative to the Texas House, Glenn Callison of Munch Hart Coffin Har, who is a former Trek PAC chair and ran for a Plano area Texas House seat in 2014, John Hill, a campaign consultant and advisor who in 2019 influenced the selection of three new Dallas Independent School District trustees, including the first Latina trustee and the youngest ever elected in Dallas, and Suzanne Smith, the founder and CEO of Social Impact Architects, which seeks to reshape the business of social change for socially responsible businesses, students, and young entrepreneurs. Suzanne also authors the Social Trendspotter blog and has run for positions with the Texas State Board of Education and DISD Board of Trustees. If you're new to the show and you like what you hear on today's episode, please subscribe to TrackCast on your favorite podcast app. We put out new episodes related to the commercial real estate industry here in Dallas every few weeks. You can also follow Track on social media. We'll put links to our handles in the show notes for this episode, and we'll also put the slides that John and Suzanne used in their presentations in the show notes if you'd like to follow along. And now, here's a replay of our June 30th Public Policy 101 event on running for office right here on TrackCast. We'll go ahead and, and get started. Thank you everybody for uh, joining today. This is our Public Policy 101 series. Uh, we try and keep these as informational and semi-formal as possible. Um, so it can be more of a workshop style when we are um, in the office and in person, but uh, for our virtual setting today, we're going to walk through some presentations uh, by our esteemed panelists and uh, for the format we'll go one by one, uh, give each six to eight minutes to discuss their own um, decision making process and uh, when they ran for office or what spurred their interest in uh, politics in general. Uh, what goes into the campaign itself and uh, the mechanics and any other personal experiences that um, they would like to share from uh, their time running for office. It's a high calling and, and one that takes a lot of um, strength and endurance, both during the race and also putting your name out there. So it's a really commendable opportunity. And um, with that, I want to get started with Glenn Callison first. Uh, I'll read a bit from his bio and then turn it over to you, Glenn. So, Glenn Callison's an equity shareholder in the Dallas office of Munchhart. Uh, Y'all know that Texas-based. Served as the firm's chairman and CEO from 2006 to 2013, and he currently leads Munchhart's hospitality practice group with expertise in hotel development and operations. Glenn represents a variety of commercial real estate owners, operators, investors, and developers of mixed-use properties, hotels, multifamily and senior housing facilities, as well as clients investing in leasing office, retail, and industrial projects. He also works with a number of clients in connection with the acquisition and ongoing operation of business with substantial real estate assets. And most recently, he represented a large 
private equity investor in the acquisition of several upscale full service hotels all across the country. Glenn is passionate about community involvement, including a run for the Texas legislature in 2014 in the city of Plano mostly. He serves in various leadership roles within the Baylor healthcare system and focused on government affairs for Trek, having been the Trek PAC chairman in 2012 and 2013 and serving in a fantastic role for us and as well as NAOC. Thanks for being here, Glenn. Oh, thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. Uh, thanks for everybody for joining us this morning. So um, I'll jump right into this. Um, uh, as Brian mentioned, so right at seven years ago, I was in the process of transitioning out of uh, the role as CEO for the firm, which I'd been for almost eight years. And uh, I was approached by a group of people that I really respected in the community, including some former office holders, about running for an open state house seat uh, that's pre predominantly West Plano, uh, an area where I had lived for you know, uh, almost 30 years. And um, I'd been very active in politics, you know, really my entire adult life, worked on a lot of campaigns, honestly never saw myself as a candidate and really was reluctant to go that way, um, uh, much preferring to be kind of behind the scenes. But that said, I felt like there was an ability to make a difference. Uh, this was a seat that uh, had been formally held by Brian McCall, who's somebody that I really respected, and uh, and then Van Taylor, I think, was the current office holder. I'm sorry, uh, yeah, it was Van Taylor, and he was going to be running for a state senate seat that Florence Shapiro um, uh, was vacating just to, to you know to uh, to retire from that seat. Um, so, you know, despite my reluctance, I jumped into the race. And, and it really, I'm just going to run through, you know, sort of four thoughts I have about this process. And, and you know, to summarize it up front is it, it was absolutely the biggest beatdown you can imagine. I mean, it was really a challenging process to run for office, but one that I learned a lot. And uh, I, I'm not sure, you know, when I'm asked if you'll, I'll ever do it again, uh, I think you never say never, but my immediate response following you know, that run was no, no time soon. So, so the first thing is just the decision of, you know, why are you running? And, and you just need to really drill into that. And, and to do so, you need to talk to your family, to you know, trusted friends and advisors, and other office holders, really getting their perspective uh, to understand more about what it is to run for uh, an office. Um, and then you need to understand what's going to be required. Um, and I'll just you know, say up front that it's going to take more time, uh, more money and resources than, than you probably think it's going to take. Um, and then the last is just start early, um, you know, to line up your support and to, to get your, your plan together. The second point is really make the plan if you, once you've decided to run. Um, it really takes a team. And so getting some key people on board, like a campaign manager, uh, a treasurer, um, consultants and volunteers, um, lining those people up early is very important. You've got to know the rules, uh, when to file, what to file, where to file. Um, you know, there's differences whether you're running for um, a municipal city office, a state or a federal office. Um, you need to, to put together a budget and, you know, calculate the cost, uh, both monetary and time. Um, because, you know, like, if you're like me, you have a full-time job and you have family commitments and understanding how the time commitment both for the um, election and the campaign as well as if you will end up being elected what's what's going to take to you know fill that role 
um, as you're doing your research, you know, uh, you have to know your opponents. You have to understand their positions, know their strengths and their weaknesses, um, and and you know, really analyze that because that's going to impact how you run uh, the campaign. You have to understand the district um, uh, and your constituents in that district and what's important to them. You have to understand, you know, what the positions you're going to take are going to be on key issues that are important to your district and your constituents. Um, it's kind of like what I tell my kids or have told my kids as they've, they've grown up is you have to know where you're going to come out on something before that, you know, before that issue arises and, and really being you have to really understand the political dynamic, um, the, the environment in which you're running. And, and that's something that changes constantly, both in partisan and nonpartisan races. There's differences between running for, you know, a primary, running in a, you know, a runoff election and running in the general election, um, you know, if those things end up taking place. And then you have to be aware of the ever changing special interest groups out there that may be for you or may be opposed to you because that was maybe one of the biggest sort of um, surprises to me is is how incredibly um, vocal and um, active these interest groups are and and many times uh, unfortunately they're not burdened by, you know, facts or reality. They're just going to, you know, come after you if, if you are perceived as a threat to the candidate that they're supporting. So, so that's, that's the sort of planning stage. Once uh, you're, you know, you've got your plan in place, then you just got to get going. You've got to identify, you know, people to serve in those roles as campaign manager, treasurer, and, and hiring consultants. And I, I think those are all very important roles and they're key people that will help you keep your campaign going. Um, and you have to be careful when you're, you know, designating somebody, especially the campaign treasurer, you got to get that person designated and you have to file uh, that designation in the appropriate place, whether it's with the city secretary for a local run or, you know, uh, perhaps with the uh, state uh, elections commission for a state run. You cannot raise any money until you, you know, you get your treasurer on board. And that's, you know, that's, you don't want to start off by tripping up on, on those types of rules. Um, you've got to build a budget. And my you know, strong advice to anybody thinking about a run is stick to your budget. Um, consultants in particular are great, but they will spend way more money than you're comfortable spending and, and maybe even more money than you can raise. And, and so that was something that, that my wife and I talked about going in that we sort of said, this is, this is what we think is reasonable. Uh, we're going to go out there and try to do a good job of raising funds, but, it, but we're not going to overspend that. And, and we're just going to trust that, that we're going to be able to get our message out, um, you know, with the funds that we are able to raise and the funds that we're, you know, contributing ourselves. Um, communication is a key, and, and that's an ever-changing landscape as well, uh, especially in the current environment where, you know, in-person events and, you know, knocking on doors and things that have been tried and true in the past are no longer really available, and you're really going to sort of virtual things. But even, even when I ran, you know, six years ago, um, you know, the social media and the, the aspects of getting the message out become very, very important because people don't answer, you know, phone calls if you're, you know, doing the, the robo calls or other, you know, kind of calling. Uh, and, and so trying to engage with potential voters and understanding the science behind who's the likely voter ends up being, you know, very important. 
um, to, to get that message out, you got to tap into networks and make the connections. You know, you're going to, you know, meet a lot of people. You're going to, you know, uh, it, things hopefully normalize sooner rather than later. You're going to, you know, attend a lot of forums and debates. You're going to build relationships with media sources. Um, um, and then lastly, I'll just say, um, through all of the process, maintain perspective. Um, a run for office can be all consuming, uh, but you still got to take time for your family and yourself. These are ultimately the things I think that are most important and you can't get consumed by the, you know, mania that can become a, a political campaign. Um, don't react to every poll, to every social media post, uh, every bit of rumor or gossip that's out there. It, it will make you crazy if you do. You've got to, you know, understand again why you're running, stick to that, and, and really, you know, make sure that as you're going down this path, um, I would just encourage, you know, you to you know, always take the high road. It's so easy to get down in the mud if your opponent goes that way. And uh, um, I just, I mean, I took the position that I'd rather come out of the campaign unsuccessful, which I was in the run. I did not when I got into a runoff and, and lost by a few hundred votes uh, to my opponent, but I'd rather end up with that result than to do something during the campaign that I would later regret, even if it meant, you know, winning. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's my perspective uh, on it. Uh, the, the, the process is grueling, uh, but I think more than ever, we need good candidates who are running for office for the right reason. And, and so, you know, if, if you, feel like that's something you're really being called to do, um, I, you know, encourage you, I guess, because we need those kind of folks in office uh, now uh, more than ever. Thank you so much, Glenn. We're going <laughs> to save all of our questions uh, for the after the speaker's presentations uh, so that you all can take notes and we can get through uh, the full agenda quickly. Next up, I'm excited to introduce Suzanne Smith. Suzanne is the founder of Social Impact Architects and Changemaker Interactive, has been reshaping the business of social change for more than two, two decades. As professor at UT Arlington, writer and blogger, TEDx speaker, coach to the social sector organization, she pioneers meaningful and sustainable social solutions to create real scalable impact. A third generation Texan, her roots run deep through her work to improve her community with Leadership Dallas, Leadership North Texas, Dallas Summit, and the Junior League. Of Dallas. She has served a number of appointed posts for the City of Dallas and currently serves as co-chair of Collin County's Homeless Action Plan and the City of Dallas's Art and Culture Commission. She was honored to receive the Dallas Business Journal's 40 Under 40 Award in 2012 and the Dallas Regional Chamber Young Athena Leadership Award in 2014. In 2016, she ran for school board trustee for Dallas Independent School District and created an action plan to create positive change for students, teachers, and families. And in 2018, ran for Texas State School Board of Education, District 12, on a platform to better connect Texas education standards with workforce needs. Suzanne holds an MBA from Duke University's Fuqua School of Business. Thank you for being here, Suzanne. Great, thank you so much for inviting me. I appreciate it. Um, I think I've got some slides to show you. So I am a consultant. So um, when, when, when you ask me to come, you always get slides too. But I also, in all seriousness, I thought it would be helpful for you guys to really get some tangible advice um, around kind of how to go about doing this and some of the things that I think um, are the most important when it comes to the work that we do. 
So first, as we get them pulled up, um, and you know, I think that this is a, as was mentioned earlier, a big decision for anybody. Um, I do want to say that you know, one of the things that I think I had an advantage is, is that I grew up in a political family. Um, and so being part of the political process was just commonplace. Um, and I'm glad that we're cycling back to that as a community. I think this is really inspiring people to get more involved in politics, whether it's big P politics or small P politics. Um, but we just grew up um, you know, going door to door. We grew up um, in a atmosphere where we talked about politics at the dinner table every single night. Um, and not the kind of politics you hear right now where people kind of talk more about personalities um, but real policy. And so I grew up in that. So it was something that was very um, part of, you know, who my, my ethos, my DNA from the very beginning. Um, as was mentioned, I ran for two spots. Um, I ran for Dallas Independent School District and the State Board of Education. Before that, my dad was a county commissioner in Rockwall County. Um, and so I um, definitely had been part of lots of political campaigns. Um, I'd also been a policy director for a couple of presidential campaigns and been to a, a number of national conventions. So I kind of had a sense of what it was going to be like, but even with all of that training, nothing prepares you for running for office for yourself. Um, as I tell people, it is the um, biggest pressure test you will probably ever be in. Um, and it certainly is something that defines um, who you are in a lot of ways. Um, so it's one thing to know what your personality and character is when you're under the best of circumstances, um, but when you're in the worst of circumstances, you know, so you're in a competitive competition, um, you, you know, are usually doing your day job and running for office at night, um, and you're trying to manage, um, you know, my professional team and my companies, but at the same time trying to manage a campaign team, it's just a lot to take on. Um, so I'm glad that Trek is doing this. Um, one, I want more people to run, but I also want more people to run prepared. Um, and I'll share with you some advice that I got from Rafael and Chia um, when I decided to run um, for an office. He said, you know, that there was really a litmus test that he looked at for any candidate. One was there a void in the marketplace. Um, and I'm an MBA, so I look at everything as kind of everything from a unique value proposition perspective, but also a void. But is there a void in the marketplace? And if there is a void in the marketplace, you know, can you actually fill that void? Are you going to be better than the other person? Um, and then the last but not least, how are you going to win? You know, if you're going to put all this effort into running, um, you need to make sure or fundamentally believe that you're actually going to win. Um, and so the element that I wanted to actually share with you is kind of a couple of things that I learned along the way. Um, I learned this in my early 20s in campaigns. It is something that has continued throughout. Obviously, the way in which this happens has also um, has changed. So I see Brian is trying to move through my, my slides here. Um, so that is my cue to keep moving, I think. Um, so the first thing is, is you really want to make sure that you have an identity. Um, so Marketing 101, you've got to make sure you have an identity and a message. So next slide, I'll let you move there. So, Essentially, if you think about marketing, part of one of your big goals, um, and this is true whether you're running for office or not, is you want to kind of build a funnel. And so what's interesting is, is that most candidates believe that everybody's paying attention to the race because they're in the race. Um, my business school professors would call that the spotlight effect. You assume people are paying more attention than they actually are to your actions. And so part of your job is one, just to raise awareness that there is an election. So for people like me who are running for school board um, and we're running for state board of education, so few people even know what those races do, let alone know when they are. 
um, because they're not in the normal cycle um, or they're very down ballot. So really making sure your donor, your volunteer, the general public builds a level of awareness around this particular concept. Then you've got to let people know that you're actually running um, and build their interest in you. You know, so make it a real competition of like, why is this important? Why should they be interested in you? Um, and then the whole goal is to really develop the, you know, uh, people who are going to support you in the election, because you really do have to build an army. And that army needs to come fairly early on, because it can't just be out, you out there um, spreading the word. You've got to have other people spreading the word, whether they're doing it through social media, whether they're um, deciding to donate, whatever it is. Um, but, you know, it's the whole adage of the three T's. You've got time, treasure, talent, and now the fourth in campaigns is testimonials. Um, and so you want all those things, and then you actually then move them into action. So it's very much like marketing. You use news media relations, word of mouth, awareness and involvement, and certainly influencers. They are all the ones that move people through this cycle. But people don't just wake up and decide to vote for you. Um, there is a whole lot that you have to go through to cultivate their level of awareness and move them into deciding that they're going to go to the polls. Next slide. Um, I also think it's important for you to think about who you are relative to other people. Um, and so particularly if you're in um, a runoff or you're in a race where there's a lot of people, you've gotta, you can't just say, I'm a great person. You know, that's what your mother would be interested in. You, you can't just say your resume because your resume could be very similar to the other person. Um, and I also think people over um, kind of overthink the actual issues and they become very fancy around here are all the things I want to change when the vast majority of people aren't really connected to oftentimes what these positions do. And most people don't even understand the difference between what a city does, a county does, and what an ISD does. Um, and so that's why you have a lot of people thinking that the mayor has control over education when he just doesn't. Um, and so Part of what you wanna do is really more identity politics where you're really focusing them on your identity. Um, you win them over by kind of who you are and that these are the things that really matter to them and so these matter to you. Um, and so that's really the better thing for you to be paying attention to. And then once they start paying attention, um, you show how that contrasts with the opponent, but then you also think about how um, you can then give them more information so that they can then decide to vote for you. Next, next slide. Um, so I know how I am, like the best thing for me is to see examples. So this is an example of a real slide that we used in our campaign. Um, uh, we talked about me being a champion for children. We also talked about the, the rate uh, ranking for Texas, that 37th isn't good enough. Um, so we wanted to connect with the kind of pride that we as Texans have. Uh, we also knew that the Dallas Morning News endorsement, while it's not as, as important as it once was, um, was something that people paid attention to, particularly when there's lots of races on the ballot like there were in the second race. So um, Brian will send these slides to you, but you can kind of see there's some things that I focused in on that we heard from focus groups that were very important to people and it got more people to pay attention. Um, and so when I would go out and speak, again, I'm in a long lineup of a lot of people who are speaking. These are the things I honed in on so that they would actually pay attention to my race pay attention to me, and then hopefully vote for me, and then tell other people they should vote for me, which was even more important. So you can also see these were kind of, this was my win strategy um, as far as how we were gonna get there. So next slide. So the next thing is uh, a winning target. Sorry, we've moved a little bit too quickly on that one. Yes, there we go. So then you need a winning target list. And again, I'm just giving you guys as these as samples. Uh, uh -oh. Okay, there we go. Um, the, the beauty of technology, right? Uh, 
So essentially, you want to make sure you have a winning target list. And so you also need to kind of figure out who's going to be most connected with you. So these are some things, again, slides that we'll share with you later. Um, I know we're uh, wanting to stick within our time, but certainly if you have questions on these, I can say more about those. So next slide. So you can see we looked at all voters, but then we did targeted messaging related to very specific voters and what we thought they would more care about. And then the next slide, um, then we kind of came up with here are all the different messaging items that we need to be thinking about. So sometimes we had to think about specific ones for, for specific audiences. Next one. And then we had really targeted in on key groups. So I wouldn't talk to a teacher group the same way I would talk to the LGBTQ community. I wouldn't talk to pro-business people the same way I would talk to pro-education. Again, I was being authentic in the sense that here were all the things that I cared about. I just selectively chose the things that they cared the most about so that when we, we spoke, I was directly connecting to their interests. Um, that also, I was also in, just like James, I was also in a, um, you know, Democrat versus Republican race. And so, you know, partisan races, you also have to think about crossovers. So we did spend a lot of time thinking about crossovers. So I just wanted to make sure that that was noted, that you got to think about that um, oftentimes. Next slide. Um, so this just kind of gives you a sense of the summary. Um, so going back to the conversation that I had with Rafael and Chia, you know, part of it is you've got to believe in yourself. You've got to believe that you're the best candidate. And every single time I put a lot of effort into, am I the right candidate? Is this the right time for me? Can I devote the time? Um, and will Texas be better or will the district be better when I get in? And I could visualize that I was actually the person that needed to, to be in that office um, for a variety of different reasons. Because it's the only thing that's going to get you out of bed early in the morning for that, you know, 7 a.m. coffee. It's the only thing that's going to, you know, keep you surviving when you're, you know, running on empty, basically. And so I just encourage you to at least consider it. And even if you don't consider it, start working with other candidates, because other candidates need people like you to be on their campaigns and um, be working steadily. And I had lots of people um, like you who um, didn't want to run for office, but uh, wanted to, to help people run an office. So I appreciate everybody's involvement today. Great. Thank you so much, Suzanne. Super appreciate your time and we'll definitely send these slides around so people can go back and reference them. They'll be very helpful. All right, next up is James Armstrong. James most recently ran. Uh, he is the president and CEO of Builders of Hope, which is one of our community partners too with the Real Estate Council has been helping out uh, with our Pro Neighborhoods grant and the like. Uh, he has served as a certified urban community uh, development expert since 2010 with expertise and experience in nonprofit management, marketing, business development, and finance. Additional experience includes over 10 years in the banking industry with added knowledge of complex lending and financing. And within his years in the banking industry, James has worked for multiple top Fortune 500 companies like JP Morgan Chase and New York Life Securities and Investments. His career experience was heavily used in his role as the mayor's appointee to the city of Dallas's Housing Finance Corporation as the citywide representative. James serves on numerous community development driven nonprofit boards, such as the Texas Association of Community Development Association, BC Workshop, and the advisory board for SMU's West Dallas STEM School. James is a proud graduate of Baylor University's Hank Meyer School of Business with a bachelor's degree in finance and has completed postgraduate studies at Princeton Theological Seminary. In 2017, James was awarded the Dallas Business Journal's 40 Under 40 Award for his accomplishments in business. And in 2019, 
James was also a candidate for Texas House District 100. Thank you for joining, James. Absolutely. Good morning. Uh, I want to thank uh, Trek, Linda McMahon, Brian Tony for the invitation. Um, I'm going to be well within my six to eight minutes. I am not as detailed as Suzanne. She is my business hero. Um, and so it's not shocking that she was um, very well prepared. Um, I just want to talk to you for the next six minutes about the six C's of campaigning. Um, this is a great uh, invitation because very seldom do you have the time or the opportunity to reflect and then express what you learned um, from losing or being outspent or outsmarted on a campaign. And so there are six C's that I want to talk about. The first C is cause. And a lot of the first two speakers have already uh, hit on this. Uh, but really, you have to discover your cause. Why are you running? Um, and uh, if your cause can be accomplished by not running, then you shouldn't run, right? So if you say, well, my cause is I want to increase engagement in my neighborhood. Well, you can do that without spending the time and getting all this gray hair. Um, uh, and so, so you want, really want to examine your cause. What is your motivation? Because one thing that I found out is that your cause will be tested. Uh, there's going to be some point in the campaign where your cause is going to be tested, and you're really going to see if the reason you ran was, is, is, was really justified. Um, when you are sitting on the couch watching your favorite TV show and your campaign manager uh, asks you how many fundraising calls you've made, uh, on today, your cause is going to be tested. When you're in bed and you really don't want to go and smile in front of people that you really don't like, um, your cause is going to be tested. When you're knocking on doors and it's getting to about four o'clock and you're saying, well, hey, let me go grab something to eat. These couple of doors don't really matter. Your cause is going to be tested. And for me, my cause was simply uh, that I saw a lack of leadership in the communities that are underrepresented and oftentimes underinvested. Um, and I felt that I could provide the leadership uh, necessary. So your cause has to be sure, your cause has to be uh, uh, tried and true. Uh, you really have to have a good cause for running. Um, um, I, I, I always say that people asking you to run is really not a good cause um, because oftentimes those people um, won't put up the money or the effort uh, or the time to help you get across the finish line. So your cause has to be, um, your cause has to be uh, so validated that it turns, automatically turns into a commitment, which is the next seat. So number one, you have the right cause. Number two, you have to be committed to the cause. And um, as the previous speakers, speakers mentioned, uh, this commitment is, far beyond what, you've, what, you, what you can imagine. I mean, this is a daily commitment to a particular thing. And for me, I was still running uh, Builders of Hope Community Development Corporation, and we were involved with uh, the Trek grant from JP Morgan. And there were a lot of variables that, that uh, really tested my commitment uh, to this, uh, to, to my cause. Um, and if, um, if your cause cannot turn into a commitment or a, a level of commitment where you really just have the fire uh, to run, then you should probably sit on the sidelines. So 
Number one, you have to have the right cause. Number two, you have to have the right commitment. Uh, but number three, you have to have the right communication or the right message. Um, it, it is really, really important that that cause that you started out with uh, turns into a commitment that then can be messaged to the voters um, because your communication um, is, is gonna be important and number one, uh, bringing attention to the cause of the reason why you ran, uh, but also convincing the voters uh, that you're the right person for the job. And one thing that I, I learned is uh, the best candidate doesn't always win. In many cases, the best candidate uh, does not win. It's the person who has the best message. Um, and it's not enough for you to know why you're running. It's not enough uh, for you to feel that it's important, but you have to wrap all of that in in a pretty package, um, as, Suz as Suzanne said, and tailor it to each specific group um, to effectively communicate uh, your, your cause and, and your commitment. So cause, commitment, communication, um, and then you have to understand that it's a competition and it is a grueling competition. Um, every day that you're up alive, <laughs> you are competing. Uh, and, and I know some people say, well, I'm not competing against a person, I'm competing against blah, blah. No, that's not true. You're, you're competing against a person. And for me, um, one, my campaign manager, who, who you will hear from shortly, um, you know, he mentioned something to me that I'll never forget. You know, every day that you are not working, your opponent is. Um, and so you have to have that mindset. Um, and for us, it was a grueling competition from about July until about January, uh, which is, you know, fairly six months of, of, of competing against someone. Um, and, and it's grueling. I mean, you are tested, um, it, you are put in the pressure cooker, and you have to be willing to be able to compete for that long. Um, uh, one thing that I found out is that um, you really don't lose. What happens is, is you, you get outsmarted and you get outworked. Um, it, it's really not a matter of winning or losing. It's, it's who has the best strategy um, and who, who is willing to work the hardest. Um, and when that com within that you know, competing or, or having that competition drive, you have to understand and, and, and develop some type of winning strategy. If you can't win, then you shouldn't run. Um, and Suzanne mentioned that. Um, if you don't see a viable path forward, uh, then you should sit it out. It is far too costly uh, to run uh, and, and not have the intentions of winning. Uh, so you have the cause, you have the commitment, you have the communication, you have the, the competitive mindset. Next thing, in which I would say is the most important thing, is you have to have the capital. Um, and you have to have it lined up. Um, unfortunately, money does just not, doesn't just rain from the sky when you're running for office. Um, even with the compelling communication or message, um, you know, if, if, if you have not, um, if you are not used to asking for money, um, it's something that's gonna be very difficult for you. Um, I had the experience of cold calling in my early days of JP Morgan Investments, um, and that was difficult, but I'll tell you, calling your, your grandma and asking for $50, for some, for some reason, it, it was a mental, uh, mental block in my mind. So you have to have the right capital, 
when it relates to cash, but you also have to ha have to have the right capital as it relates to people. Uh, you have to have the right team. It is so very important that you build a strong team uh, that can be experts in things that you are not even aware of, like uh, filing uh, your, 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 your campaign filings and all of those things. And so you have to have the right capital. Um, so in closing, uh, the six C's of campaigning, number one, you have to have the right cause. Number two, the right commitment. Uh, number three, the right communication. Uh, number four, you have to be willing to compete. Number five, the right capital and people and cash. But the last thing, and, and most advisors would probably uh, advise against this, um, but I would say you have to have some sort of consolation strategy. Um, I remember the day after I lost, um, uh, it was, um, we had a runoff. I made it to the runoff and then lost in the runoff. But the very next day, the 29th of January, uh, my dad called and asked me, uh, so you lost, but how are you going to win? And uh, oftentimes we don't think about that when we lose, um, but it's so very important that you find a way to materialize the work and the effort that you put in running for office. Don't run with the thought that you're going to lose and think of a strategy, but the day after, if you find yourself in the losing category, uh, find a way to capitalize on the people that you met. Find a way to, to, to benefit from, from, the, from why you, you for, for, from your efforts in running. Um, and fortunate enough, I was able to, to, to find uh, some consolation prize um, through a, a appointment by Governor Abbott um, to the, uh, the Trek uh, State Board. Um, but but um, th that would be the six C's of, 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 of running for office. Um, and I'll be happy to answer any questions in the um, uh, Q&A time. Awesome. Thank you so much, James. Great experience and appreciate you sharing. All right, next up, we're gonna move over to John Hill. And John, uh, as James alluded to, is a campaign consultant and manager. Uh, he founded, co-founded the Campaign Activity Management Fellowship, uh, which takes students and uh, young people through the learnings of the mechanics of the campaign. Uh, before that, he's a Dallas native and worked in the public schools of Dallas ISD served on the fundraising team of Harvard College Fund and a communications consultant for mayor and city council candidates in Los Angeles. In 2019, he directly influenced the successful nomination of three new Dallas ISD trustees simultaneously. These nominations included the first Latina trustee and the youngest trustee ever elected in Dallas, transforming the makeup of the school board into progress. Most recently, he designed and implemented a voter outreach and mobilization program for a US Congresswoman that led to her successful primary victory over three opponents, avoiding a runoff in the process. In the past seven years, Hill has been a key advisor in over 20 successful campaign operations at various levels, and has worked closely with local organizations to support candidates seeking office. Hill received his BA in government from Harvard University, and his master's in education and education policy and leadership from Southern Methodist University. Thanks for being here, John, and appreciate you sharing your insight. Of course. Thanks, Brian. I really appreciate it. Uh, Brian, actually an alum of that program um, and has definitely put his uh, time and hours in uh, on the street uh, to make sure that voters turn out uh, for candidates that are going to be uh, good for our city. 
Um, so I'll keep this brief because it looks like we are already into Q&A time. Uh, you've heard from three fantastic public servants. And in uh, my many years following uh, politics, uh, I would say that, you know, these are three of the um, sharpest, most impactful folks that have ever signed the paper to be on the ballot. So you're very lucky to have them here and have them available to you for their advice on what makes for um, a successful campaign and a strong candidate. I will keep this brief and just say, in addition to all of the things that they have said, uh, I have the vantage point, the, the benefit or detriment of having been on the campaign trail nonstop uh, for the past three years. So I've had uh, candidates in every single cycle uh, since 2017, and, and I've had a successful election in all those cycles uh, since 2017. And I will say, you know, we've heard a lot about the candidate perspective, which is extremely important. It is the most exhausting, grueling, testing thing that you will ever do. Uh, and my hat's off to anybody willing to do that, uh, because there are a lot of folks that could. Uh, we live in a city where there are a million and a half leadership organizations and programs. We, we, we don't lack for leaders. We lack for people that are willing to put their everything and their life on the line in order to uh, get that seat uh, for the benefit of the folks who believe in them uh, and for the folks that don't. Um, so I will say, if you're thinking about running for office, it is a huge leap, uh, but it's a leap worth making if you're doing it for the right reason. Um, I'm gonna put my email address in the chat. Um, if you'd like to you know, just have a five minute conversation or so um, about you know, you're thinking about running for office, I'm happy to walk you through an exercise um, that I do with you know, prospective candidates uh, just to see if this is really something that they're looking for. Uh, the folks who don't show up already sure uh, is what I'm talking about. Um, so I'm happy to do that uh, for free with all of you just because of you know, my respect for what Trek does and my respect for Brian Tony and all the folks on this panel. Um, you're welcome to do that. Um, but um, I will say that there is a point of every campaign that becomes about you uh, and it should, right? Because it means that you care about the seat, you care about the election and you care about everything that you've sacrificed in order to do it. Um, having been uh, working with you know, dozens of candidates over the years, I can say that there is also a school of thought uh, within the campaign process that candidates are interchangeable. Um, and the reason why I would say that, which you know, upsets many candidates, um, is that you know, the, the candidate ideally is the vision for the future made flesh, right? You are you know, the embodiment of what the community hopes for, wants, needs, um, and there are many people who could fit that mold, um, but not everybody has the you know, courage, ability, time in order to do that. Uh, so I would encourage everybody thinking about running for office um, to remember that humility element, uh, because at the end of the day, it isn't about you, even though it's a little bit about you. Uh, candidates that are not inspiring, not selected by the community, not funded by the community, win all the time. Um, but if you're going to run, not forgetting the reasons why you're running is going to be important, uh, like all of your panelists said, um, because what gets you out of the bed in the morning is thinking and knowing that you are the best person for the job and you're the one that the community needs uh, in order to achieve uh, what it wants to achieve uh, and achieve that future um, that everybody's been dreaming for. So I'll go ahead and stop there because I know that we want some Q&A time, uh, Brian, but anybody that wants to get in touch with me uh, is free to do that. All right, thank you, John. We're going to switch back to our gallery view, or you can, uh, it doesn't for you automatically on your screen. So we do have 15 minutes remaining uh, for Q&A. If you've joined on your computer, uh, you should be able to unmute your microphone in the bottom left-hand corner. 
if you are on your phone, uh, simply hit star pound six and it'll unmute yourself. I haven't yet seen any questions uh, go through the chat. Uh, so I'll uh, wait a couple minutes if anyone wants to jump in and otherwise I can maybe prompt one or two more. While we're waiting for questions, I'll just sort of throw something out there to hopefully inspire, you know, uh, some discussion uh, among us, you know, generally. Um, you know, I think there was, you know, this message was repeated throughout, you know, that you have to keep reminding yourself why you're running and, and be sure you're running for the right reasons. Um, it's got to be a pretty selfless thing because it's just not a much, much fun to do this. But ultimately, it's very important that we do have good candidates up and down the ballot to fill these positions. Sadly, right now, I think the process tends to discourage um, the very type of candidate that you would want in office, uh, uh, just because uh, much of the dialogue is is being driven by the very extremes of positions. And, and so, you know, trying to get, you know, good people to run and then the good people trying to get, you know, engagement from people, you know, that are most likely to be benefited by having those good people in office is, is, is vitally important. Yeah, I would also add, and I mentioned this to Brian earlier, and I know you guys had a session on this, but to me, you know, running for office is kind of like the big leagues. Like you, in my opinion, you kind of need to think about like, what can you be doing now to kind of figure out, is this the right thing for you? Um, so I would very much encourage anybody on the phone to serve on boards and commissions. Um, there are boards and commissions at the city level. There's also task forces that the school district has. Um, and we need people just like you. Um, I know my resume didn't mention this, but actually I got on a boarding commission uh, when I was in my early 20s. I think I was the youngest boarding commission member in, in the city of Dallas history. And it started the day I went into Valletta Lil's office and was just concerned about the growth in Uptown. So that was like 20 years ago, obviously. But um, so boards and commissions, we need people, there are vacancies right now in boards and commissions, they're operating via Zoom, and so we need good people, uh, diverse individuals, um, people from all over the community to serve on boards and commissions. And so whether you live in Collin County or Dallas County, um, I would definitely encourage you because if you do do that and you love it and, it, and you build your energy from going to those meetings and it becomes your favorite time, you love dealing with constituents, you love dealing with the policy issues, you love kind of the behind the scenes negotiation and mediation with your colleagues, then you probably should run for office. So to me, that's the best litmus test. We've got some questions in the chat. What would be some of those causes kind of going off of what you were saying, Suzanne, uh, to not run and instead put yourself on a border commission or get involved in another way instead of actually running? Um, I think James, you mentioned yeah. some of that too. You know, I think that, um, in my opinion, and this is what I talk to my students about, you know, all of us have an issue that we burn for. Like, you know, what is the issue that we feel like um, you are, you know, you could eat, sleep, and, you know, activate around that particular issue. For some, it's the environment. For some, it's the um, education. Um, it could be homelessness. It could be domestic violence. It could be something that personally touched your life. Maybe it's a grandmother who had cancer and you want to try to do something about it. So first I would do informational interviews with folks on LinkedIn um, and basically say, you know, learn a lot about that issue um, and then try to figure out what are the ways in which you can influence that. You know, could it be a boarding commission? Could it be serving on the board of nonprofits? 
Um, you know, please don't start a nonprofit <laughs> unless you talk to me first. We don't need more nonprofits in this community. Um, but, um, you know, it's, there's a lot of different ways that you could go about helping. And I do informational chats just like John does. Um, I also have a TED Talk called How to Be a Changemaker. And so those are all things that you need to be thinking about. And, and I will honestly tell you, if you find purpose in your life, um, you will be the happiest person in your life. Like that, that is the thing. And all, all these people who are on this panel all have found purpose. I think one of the other things I mentioned this already, but the, you know, the, the question I think is, you know, what are something, you know, that might, you know, dissuade a person from running for office? You know, the, the environment right now is so toxic, um, especially in partisan politics, but it's, it's, it's come into the nonpartisan local elections as well. Um, I mean, I think we've all seen the recent headlines where one particular special interest group was caught on a hot mic moment, you know, basically, you know, making fun of our governor, you know, uh, for being in a wheelchair. I mean, that's, that's just awful. And, you know, and I think many candidates experience that kind of personal attack and, and it just makes, you know, frankly, a person who's rational and, um, and caring you know, to really be hesitant about, you know, jumping into the arena. Uh, so, um, while I think you have to have a certain level of care and compassion to be effective as a public servant, the actual process of running for election, you know, means you have to, to be pretty thick skin. Um, and it, it just, it's just a, an odd combination. So I, you know, I, I, I hope that that dynamic changes that, that, you know, we can get to a place where good people want to step up, run for office, and ultimately can be elected and, and, and perhaps, you know, be effective at changing this toxic environment. I will, I will also add that the, the best person at talking candidates out of running is oftentimes the candidates themselves. Um, so, and I think the best candidates have already gone through that process of trying to talk themselves out of doing it or doing it again. And I'm sure that all of our panelists have had that moment where they're trying to uh, talk themselves out of running, uh, right? And so that means that they have respect for the seat. Um, but the other thing I will add is, you know, there are a lot of reasons why people run and some people run to lose. Um, and what I mean by that is, it's about more than just getting the seat. Some people run because there are issues that have not been brought up in the community ever uh, or for a long time. And so they run even knowing that they're the underdog and they're not gonna be able to raise the money because that issue is just that important. Um, and, you know, those are folks that put the issues and the community ahead of themselves uh, and are running because there's an incumbent that everybody's afraid of. Um, the other thing that's going to happen, uh, especially if it's a contentious uh, election, there's a lot of people interested in it. Once you file or start talking to people about running, like somebody will come try to talk you out of it. And, and the, the traumatizing part is sometimes it's a friend of yours who you thought would be behind you. And they're like, I'm actually, you need to not run for this. Seat. Um, and that's a, that's a traumatizing thing, I think, for a lot of candidates as well you know, realizing or seeing that somebody's not as much in your corner as you thought that they were or would be. Um, but if you're gonna run for office, I think that's another thing you should just get ready for because um, you know, I think part of being a candidate is being disappointed um, and enduring that and the trauma that comes with it for the benefit of the community for that district and for that seat. Yeah, I would say real quick, real quickly, uh, you know, there are tons of other ways to make an impact than to hold an elected uh, seat. And if you can look back over the past five years of your life and you have not made an impact other than maybe your own pocketbook, I think 
um, that is probably a telltale sign that you maybe should not be running. Um, most of the people, well, all of the people who are on the panel uh, made some type of impact to their community, um, whether it be in the sector of business or nonprofit or politics. Um, it's very difficult to run, um, tell voters that you will make an impact if you have nothing to run on. Um, and so uh, it, it's vitally important that you have a track record uh, of impact um, to readily convince the voters that you are a person of impact. Um, you can make money a hundred other ways. You can be influential a hundred other ways. You can die and have your name on buildings um, and be celebrated other ways other than running for office. And I'm not discouraging you. I see John is smiling. I, I, you know, it's only been a couple of months since I've lost, so I may be speaking from uh, <laughs> frustration, but um, there are a lot of other ways that you can make an impact um, without running for office. So, so I would discover those first um, and then uh, put your name in the hat um, if you want to take your impact to the next level. I have a quick question for all of you. Um, obviously, uh, John and Suzanne, you've dealt with a lot of different people that have thought about this, but uh, Len and James, you've experienced it firsthand. It's really, really difficult to work full time and be, uh, be on a campaign trail. And particularly um, if your employer is not supportive of um, your efforts, if you're working for a company and not independently working, it's a different scenario. Um, can you speak to the, the uh, dynamic of um, making a living, but also running a campaign and the process you have to go through? Because a lot of people on this call are working for somebody else. And so uh, they're gonna have to navigate uh, the um, conversation with their employer as to whether or not their employer is gonna give them the time and also the issue of if in fact they're a public official, how will that impact their position in their, in their day job? So I'd love to hear your perspective on that because that would be a high sensitivity issue for our organization. We couldn't support someone who was on staff to run for office because we're all over the place on policy work. So, I, but I think other people, you know, if you're working in the construction industry or you're working for a developer, um, that sensitivity of balancing your job along with uh, your company's interests is a real sensitive balance. I'd love to hear your perspective on that. Yeah, you bet, uh, Linda. Thanks for raising that question. I was fortunate that. Uh, you know, my firm was supportive. I was in that pro process of transitioning back into, you know, full-time practice after having spent eight years um, as the CEO. So the timing of it worked out well, but that, you know, there were concerns about how I was going to be able to effectively transition back and not just during the election, but if I were to win, because the state legislature, you know, basically meets for six months every other year. And uh, even though we have an Austin office, you know, that was obviously going to take, you know, some time. And then you're, when you're not in session, you're running for office or getting ready to run for office. So, so um, uh, I, I did have the support, but knew and had a very candid conversation with my partners here at the firm about, you know, what was the cost of that? Because, you know, I, I'm not going to be as productive as an attorney if I'm spending six months you know, in the legislative session or otherwise running for office. And then you, you run into some very real 
issues in the, in the, the, the law firm setting of conflicts and, and, and the issue of, of you cannot, you know, benefit personally or, you know, with your business by your public office. And so, so I actually uh, uh, reached out and, and talked to Dan Branch, who's somebody that's, you know, one of the founders of our pack and a uh, person I just, um, you know, uh, respect, respect a great deal. And, and, you know, he had to live with this, you know, as a state rep for a number of years while, you know, practicing law and even running his own firm for, you know, part of that period of time. And, uh, you know, uh, he gave me some good guidance on that. So I, you know, it's, I think it's a real issue. You do have to understand about how you're going to, you know, achieve that balance of, you know, being able to, you know, make a living, provide for your family, yet fulfill the obligations you have uh, to, to be successful in the office. Yeah, I would say real quickly, um, you know, uh, I, I, my bosses are, are a collective board of directors. And when I brought it up to them, there was great hesitation um, because of uh, conflict of interest and, and such. And I would be lying if I were to say that the business did not suffer um, from me running for office. Um, deadlines were not met. Uh, projects were delayed, um, and you really have to ask yourself, is this something that you're, are you willing to suffer the setbacks, um, uh, even fi personally, financially? I started the campaign with about 15,000 of my own money, um, and that's another thing that they don't tell you, that, that you, have to, <laughs> you have to give your own money so you could, could be poor for running uh, for, for office. But again, I, I, I think uh, uh, it, it, it is very difficult um, it, is, it is a challenging situation when you're running for someone, even if you have your own business. Um, and so it, it's something to consider uh, before you put your name in the hat. Um, and uh, in our case, we later learned that uh, me running for office and winning would actually have been a great conflict of interest uh, with the contract that we just received from the city. So you wanna cover that as well. You wanna know, are there conflicts of interest um, that would prevent me from putting food on my table, um, um, and, and how can I navigate through those? So uh, it, it's something to, to consider before you decide to run. And I would just add, I think conflicts of interest is a good conversation to have. Um, you know, you need to think about kind of what issue you care about in trying to figure out what job you can have where there are as few conflicts of interest as possible. Um, and so Paul asked about how are you selected to a board or commission um, so essentially, it seems like it's like a mystery, but it's really super simple. Um, essentially, you submit an application just like you would with an interview. Hopefully, you know your city council member or hopefully you know your school board member, but sometimes you don't need to know them. Um, they'll interview you and they'll kind of when an open position comes up. Um, and so to me, if you can wrestle those conflicts of interest in a board and commission first, um, and then decide you're gonna run for office. It, it kind of is, to me, a company al allows you to do one thing and then they see there isn't a problem and then they'll allow you to do more. Um, and anything you do, there's gonna be conflicts. So I just encourage you to take a look at your board policies if you work for a nonprofit, um, your you know, personnel policies if you're uh, working for a business and just make sure you're paying attention to those things. Thing that is the dramatically opposite of what you do professionally. Um, so that you don't have to leave the room every single time that there is a vote, that you can do something that kind of complements but doesn't compete with what your day job actually is. 
I wish we had more time or a couple more questions about uh, how do you pick out your team, your treasurer and your secretary, and how do you raise money? Uh, if you guys could do that in 30 seconds, uh, <laughs> that'd be phenomenal. And then we'll wrap this up. Yeah, the raising money part is, uh, is the term that I got thrown around while I was running was called dialing for dollars. You know, you're just tapping into networks, uh, people you know, and people your consultants know. Um, and it's, it's, at least in my opinion, the absolute worst part of running for office <laughs> is going out there and doing that. It's, you know, uh, I'd rather not do it, but um, it does teach you to be able to clearly express your message to people and why they should invest in your campaign. How do you pick a team? Uh, meet a lot of people and see who's a good fit for you. I think the, the best thing you can do in order to pick the best team is be open and honest with yourself about your work style, how you work, um, and then find people that complement um, that so things that run smooth. It's not that it can't be done uh, with a, a team that, you know, is a bit, you know, rubbing up against you a little bit. Um, but the, the best teams, I think, uh, have folks that all sort of fit together like a puzzle piece, but that starts with knowing yourself as a candidate. You know, real quick, um, you know, I, I equate it to running a business. And oftentimes it felt like um, that I was running a, another business. So I would take those same principles uh, and, and put them in play when you're choosing your team. Um, um, I would say first stop with John Hill. I think he's one of the, probably if not the best, one of the best out there um, in terms of strategy and, and, and putting a, a winning strategy together. So uh, it's, it's just like running a business. You want to put people around you who know more than you do um, and you have to be willing to let them be the boss sometimes and, and you just shake hands and raise money. And I would just add to, you need to know what you want, but you also need to know what your non-negotiables are. Um, everybody who gives you money has strings attached associated with it. So you need to understand why they're giving you money and what the strings attached are with those. Um, and then also too, um, when I came up with my campaign, I was like, here's the kind of people I want, but here's the kind of people I won't, I don't want. We're not gonna bash the other side. You know, that is a non-negotiable for me. So I think it's equally important for you to tell your team or people who are representing you um, what you want, but also what are the non-negotiables? Like you are not going to go there. Um, so just keep those in mind as well when you're putting your team together. We'll do that. Y'all certainly gave our membership a lot to think about, and this is super educational for them, I hope. We'll uh, circulate your contact information, uh, you know, if you're available to that, and those slides. Uh, thank you, Christian Telecare Public Policy Chairman and Back Vice Chair for being here. Linda, do you have any closing remarks, Christian? Thank you all very much. I really appreciate your dedication to educating our members about this. You're absolutely right. We need the kind of people that are on this call to be running for office. And so uh, we appreciate you providing those hard lessons that they need to be thinking about as they venture into this new world. So thanks so much, and we're glad to see all of you doing well. That's it for today's show. I'd like to thank our panelists, James Armstrong III, Glenn Callison, John Hill, and Suzanne Smith for sharing their insights and experiences in running for public office. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app to get all new episodes right to your mobile device and to follow Trek on social media. Once again, I'm Bill San Antonio. Thanks for listening.